Hello and welcome to the Royal College of Psychiatrists podcast with me, Ella Marchant. We have an incredible August podcast for you focusing on the mental health of fathers, specifically a short film developed by Dr. Parvinder Shergill and Mark Williams. Daddy Blues tells the story of a young couple suffering from postnatal depression. We see this through the perspective of the father who was seeking mental health support after the birth of his first child. Dr. Parvinder Shergill is an award-winning psychiatrist in the NHS and a published writer, international presenter, award-winning filmmaker, and an actress who is passionate about creating mental health films, with her own podcast having been recorded at Parliament. Mark Williams is a campaigner, author, and keynote speaker on parental mental health. He wrote the book that Daddy Blues is based on when suffering from postnatal depression after the birth of his baby boy. Thank you so much for both coming on the podcast today. Mark, what inspired you to write Daddy Blues? Coming from personal experience, really, um, obviously 17 years ago, witnessing my wife go for a traumatic birth, and then obviously that had an impact on myself and my own mental health later on as well. So um, it's really, uh, to, in, well, obviously inspired, but also to to make dads realise that, you know, fathers can struggle during this time for various reasons as well, really. So it's just really don't want anyone else to go through what we went through as parents as well. So, yeah, from a lived experience and also now, obviously, trying to campaign for all parents really so that the book yeah the book came from a couple of years ago and then it's a really honest book really I just want to be as honest as I can it's, well I'll be honest it's like a PG version I think more or less when I think back but um it's just something to say that yeah you can struggle dads can struggle as well. So you were at the birth of your was it your first child and your wife went through did she have, like have a c-section or something? Yeah my wife had emergency c-section and it all happened really quick, really, after 22 hours labour. And then, obviously, the doctors come rushing in. And then, uh, you know, first time actually had a panic attack. I never, I've never had a panic attack like that since that time. And as Pavandino, you know, I've worked in security to witness horrific things in my life. And still to this day, thinking your wife and baby's going to die in front of you for me personally. And that's the thing with trauma. You know, we got to remember that, you know, what we experience is, you know, how it impacts on us, really. That's, what, you know, what it is, really, and uh, PTSD. So... So yeah, it was. Um, we only got one boy. He's in the seventeen now. So um, yeah, it was. It was. Yeah, during that time, the first year or so, or, or up to eighteen months, really, it was. Uh, yeah, it was massive. Uh, when I look back, you know, there's a lot going on in a short space of time, and that actually impacted on my own behaviours. You know, I was avoiding situations, drinking more. You know, I didn't understand what was going on. Um, you know, obviously myself and was having suicide thoughts around about the four to five month mark. You know, so. There was a range of reasons why I was depressed in the post little period as well, you know. That does sound so scary. It sounds very alien and very alienating. Yeah, it's probably the loneliest time of my life, I'll be honest. You know, I got a lot of friends and family. I'm pretty lucky in that sense. And, uh, you know, I couldn't tell my wife I was feeling. Couldn't tell my family members. Couldn't tell my wife I was feeling because they didn't want to in- impact on her mental health even more. So you suppress all those feelings, obviously. And then, you know... You know, especially when for my community, it's a very mining community. You know, my, I'm a first generation not go underground as a coal miner. It was a case of like, you know, if you had a problem, let's go to the pub, let's go to have a pint. You know, I didn't know anyone, any nude fathers who actually suffer during this time like this. And I think when we normalise the conversation, well, what I know now, so many fathers do struggle with the mental health, you know, during the perinatal period as well, you know. So, yeah, it was just um, so much going on. And... And I, I think didn't, it didn't help with the lack of sleep and also the um, undiagnosed disorder of ADHD until I was 40. So I was never diagnosed with any PTSD or P, uh, PND, post-depression. 
but because there was no screening assessments in place or awareness back then. So a lot of men go into other services years later. Unfortunately, that happened to me about four years afterwards. Thank you so much for sharing that. And how did you both come together on this project? Parvindra, I'll start with you. Uh, so I, you know, Mark and I have sort of followed each other's work on social media, on Twitter for a couple of years. And um, the only sort of interaction I've had with Mark, I think it was about two and a half years ago, I wrote an article um, you know, kind of talking about men's mental health, father's mental health, you know, to raise awareness um, and to kind of help Mark with what he was doing. And I, I've always been in awe of his work. You know, it's amazing what he's done. And we always kind of uh, supported each other, but we never got around to having a chat. And um, and then last year, we kind of finally sat down on Zoom and we had a chat, I think it was September, October time, just to kind of connect. And I just wanted to know a bit more about Mark and the work he was doing. And he wanted to know the kind of work I was doing, uh, because I also work in the film industry for mental health. And I have to say, it was the most incredible chat because somehow from saying hello to each other, by the end of it, we had somehow agreed that we were going to make a film on daddy blues and it just it was the most incredible chat I mean it never happens like, ever like that and then two months later you know we were on set making daddy blues so it was an amazing amazing introduction. So Mark did it all happen quite quickly going from just having one meeting to suddenly you were producing together? Yeah you know Pav I know just say I know Pavanda's on here she's great honestly fantastic you know she's very similar to me when you know she, when you say you're gonna do it she just does, does it I, I don't know I don't know you know, people say about myself sometimes, I, I don't know how Pavanda does all the work she does, you know, it's incredible. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm in awe of Pavanda really, because what she's come and, and achieved. Uh, and yeah, I've just been following her work and still follow her work because obviously she's doing other films now, Mental Health, which is great, which will um, normalise those conversations and, and, and educate people. Because like I said, I wasn't educated about mental health when I was a new dad either. I didn't know nothing about, you know, post-depression, let alone, or mental health, let alone post-depression, I should say. So, yeah, Pavanda's really, oh, she's, well, she's an inspiration, I'm not just saying it, she's a massive inspiration, so. Oh, that's so nice. And just going back to Daddy Blues, the film that you've both produced together, the main character puts himself under a lot of pressure to stay strong and to remain the breadwinner of the couple. Pavinda, you play the girlfriend, the expectant girlfriend, um, what kind of harmful stereotypes do you think we push on to fathers? Mark, can we go with you for this one? Yeah, like I said, my work has never been taking attention away from mum, never has been. And when I set up a group years ago, it was always about you know fathers supporting their partners or posting depression. But the pressures, as you know, when it comes to fatherhood, especially in the UK, is totally different in some countries. But, you know, mums are the breadwinners now. You know, mums uh, in Parliament and, and dads at home, you know, families have changed since you know my grandfather was a minor and which is great because you know that's what we need you know but um I think what's happened the pressures have changed where you know sometimes fathers struggle with their mental health and that has an impact on that child's development so if dad is you know depressed he's less likely to sing read dance or play which is so important those early years those thousand one critical days and beyond so going back to what you're saying really you know there's loads of different pressures you know social media which wasn't there, you know, we've got COVID, which has added different pressures as well, massive pressures. So yeah, fatherhood in general has really changed. And, um, you know, we got to think that um, even financial side of it, you know, costs, you know, it could be the smallest thing sometimes with some of the dads I speak to. And, you know, it just manifests into other bigger areas then as well. So 
Yeah, mental health. I only think the biggest killer men under 45 is suicide. And like Pavanda was saying with my work, you know, we're not screening assessing dads as we should be doing like mums. You know, it's it's, it's, it's great the film raises that concerns that we have that, you know, yeah, we've got to support all parents for, for their mental health, which has far better outcomes for the whole family in that child's development because so many relationships fail and sadly as well. And then dad's mental health can impact on mum's mental health as well if dad ain't supported. So, yeah, there's loads of different pressures. That's the thing with mental health. It's so complex, isn't it, as well? Yeah, absolutely. And what do you think personally leads fathers to depression? Who can dads turn to? You were saying earlier that you've created a support group in the past. That sounds amazing. and It also sounds quite unique. I don't think I've heard of a support group for dads before. So do you think that this was quite a unique invention from you? I think, I think it, well, it was the first kind in 2010, 11, it was, but it was a case of, um, unfortunately, the you know funding, funding wasn't there. Uh, we're doing all voluntary, had a lot of team behind me, and it just grew and grew and grew. And it, we were getting people from all over the world, not just, you know, on Facebook uh, groups, but the face-to-face groups, mostly in South Wales. And, and I passed it over to another charity then, and uh, I went down a more policy-changing route, trying to change policies, and... I'm raising awareness, go to conferences. I thought that would have a bigger ripple effect, you know, as well. So I still do a Zoom chat with dads, still talk to dads with midwife and different people. But um, but yeah, the support groups, you know, it's a big myth that men don't talk. And once you do get one dad to talk, uh, the other one will follow. And if in a safe place, you know, they will talk. That's the thing. Men do talk, but it's just got to be in the right, you know, place as well. Parvinder, can you... Tell us, what do you personally think might lead fathers to depression? I think it's, you know, it's very complex. I mean, depression, mental health is complex anyway. There's never one reason. Um, I think it sometimes can be a combination of things. And um, especially with paternal um, mental health, it's still a lot of research needs to be done because it's still strangely quite a new kind of education going on about it. I wasn't taught about this in medical school. You know, it's a conversation happening now. Um, But some of the things to think about is, um, you know, if you're a young father, and when I say young, sort of less than 25, you could be at more risk. If you're first time being a dad, um, you're more at risk as well. If you've had a past history of mental health, specifically depression, anxiety, that can increase your risk. If there's financial concern, if you don't have a good working, you know, or good personal relationship with your partner at the time of the pregnancy and having a baby, that can also put a lot of stress on a dad as well. Um, you know, in practical things such as, you know, things that we worry about with mums that we need to think about dads. So are you getting enough sleep? You know, is your baby quite irritable and crying, not feeding well? That can really impact you as well if there's substance misuse. Um, and also if you're just not getting support that you need as a father, I think we focus so much on support for mums, don't we, that we forget that dads also need it. So I think just these different combinations um, can increase your risk factor. And Parvinder, could you talk to us a little bit about postnatal depression in new fathers? Yeah, so postnatal depression, what we mean by that is sort of the first year after a baby's born. Um, And if a father is showing symptoms, or a mum, but if we focus on the father at the moment, um, of symptoms of depression, then we will be thinking about postnatal depression. 
Um, we tend to see sort of a peak around three to six months of people suffering from this. or Maybe that's when they're getting diagnosed or seeking help in that time. And some of the symptoms one might feel, I mean, they're quite varied, but it could be a range. So it could be you're feeling fearful, you're feeling guilty, you're feeling helpless or hopeless. You might withdraw from yourself. Uh, you might be frustrated or irritable in your mood. Your sleep might be really impacted, especially if baby is you know, quite difficult to put to sleep, you might have insomnia, you might turn to drugs or substance misuse, and there could be increased risk of violence at home. Also, you need to think about your appetite, your appetite tends to change as well. So your weight might fluctuate. Um, and there's there's been also some symptoms um, and symptomology of uh, sort of nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, constipation, the sort of gut bowel symptoms, headaches, toothaches, um, and also there might be more increased risk of having relationship issues. So there might be more arguments at home as well. Mark, could you talk to us a little bit about postnatal depression? Because it's obviously something you experienced firsthand. Yes, definitely. Exactly what Pavanda just said. And obviously bond and attachment as well. I, I know, um, you know, I didn't get always that overwhelming feeling left my son initially. Whether that was because I was just more concerned he was alive. Um, and I think... What we got to do is encourage dads, you know, give them confidence, you know, a skin to skin that can actually release oxytocin, which is good for dad and the baby as well. And, you know, get dads more tuned with the baby, you know. So, like I said, you know, simple things sometimes can actually, you know, get dads engaged. Like, so I, I give an example from my own personal experience. I think when I was home for that six months and when Michelle was unwell in bed and I, I was so isolated and it was only me and Ethan, I think those sort of things accidentally came into because it was only me and him sometimes, you know, me, my Sunday, you know, Ethan. So, and I think I learned from that. I think, you know, that's that's why parental leave is so important for all parents, really, as well, to, to give dads that time and be more to and baby, get involved. Because as you know, a lot of fathers in neonatal wards and all sorts of things, and they back in work in, in, in two weeks, you know, sort of thing. So, so going back, back to my personal experience, like you said, you know, post-depression, it was... Uh, I mean, all the things that uh, Pavana just said, yeah, I, you know, I can totally relate to them as a father. I was very angry. I'm not an angry person, it's mad, because I punched the sofa, bust my hand in the first five or six months it was, you know. And, uh, you know, relationships can fail for various reasons, you know, as well. So, yeah, totally, uh, totally relate to what Pavana said. I think anxiety, as we know, is far higher as well. And we got to remember about the antenatal period. So if dad hasn't had that support in the first time round, his antenatal anxiety is going to be higher for the next baby because he possibly could go for witnessing what he witnessed the first time round, or basically go for the situation he went uh, previously as well. So we got to remember perinatal mental health as well. You know the antenatal anxiety and depression as well as postnatal depression and anxiety. When you were experiencing postnatal depression, did you feel connected with the baby and the mom? You just go for these all these emotions, really. That um, you think, gosh, my life has totally changed. I've, you know, I, I couldn't work. I couldn't. Uh, there was lots of factors going on during that time. But you know, your lifestyle changes. Um, like you said, overeating. And you know, I was overeating certainly. You know, couldn't go to the gym. Um, I like the gym. I like kickboxing. All that stuff. Went, you know, all went out the window during that time. And lack of sleep. And uh, I, I think as well, one thing that comes out as well is. Uh, I remember my friends uh, managed to get me out, and we went to Bridgend. You know, I was I was seeing starting fights with bouncers, uh, not because I was didn't want to hit you know hurt them or anything, but because when somebody was hitting me, it was like a form of self harm as well. You know, so I was just my mind was totally racing. It's racing now, you know. Obviously, 
perhaps you know concentration all sorts of things but when you've got so much other things going on and a lot of people don't know that the 50 percent of dads can actually get depression looking after their partners with post depression as well so um you know and some of the reports are coming out gosh you know it's up to 38 percent of dads were considered by the mental health you know young dads 39 percent wanted support for their mental health so you know it, there's it, i think it's a big thing bigger thing that we think and it's actually higher risk of suicide unfortunately in the perinatal period with dads as well and the reason behind that like i mentioned with mums when i was an advocate for mums i used to come across mums who had post-depression or pdsd you know 20 30 years ago and when i was at being an advocate for them they, obviously they were diagnosed with all different disorders but you know basically the first time it, they actually had that depression or suicide thoughts was round becoming a new parent as well so yeah definitely it's um I, like i said i i'm so grateful for vanda for doing the film because you know it's a grower i know it's a grower people are going to see this film i think yeah i can relate to that too that's wonderful thank you so much and mark staying with you how can fathers bond with their new babies so yeah it's a lot of information good information out there now as well and uh but like i said it's, we gotta show them as well how to do it as well i think i think one of the things that comes up a lot in antenatal classes as well Sometimes it could be as simple as uh, the mum intentionally or the grandparents say, oh, give me the baby, you're, you know, you're too slow, we can't change the nappy. And then dad will just take himself out of that situation and then not get involved. But it's, it's simple things like that, really. You know, it, as long as the baby's safe, it doesn't matter if it takes five, 10 minutes, 20 minutes. But we just have to get dads involved because what happens is then if dad's got especially like low mood and, you know, he's engaged with that baby and he's getting that reward, Obviously, that has a massive shift in dopamine as well. And dad can see that he's getting something out there, he's getting involved more. And, you know, that helps dad's mental health as well. So, yeah, you know, it, little things like this, you know, I could talk about this a lot more longer, but uh, it's simple things sometimes can help dads get engaged with babies. It's just, and, and knowing that fathers can struggle for various reasons with confidence, that, you know, holding the first time the baby. For me personally, I never held a little small baby ever before in my life. When I went to take that Ethan down to get weighed, I honestly thought I was going to drop him as well. So, yeah, it's just, you know, giving dads the confidence to say, you can do this, you know, and be involved, be in tune with that baby as well for various, you know, uh, look in his face, you know, mirror, uh, those sorts of things. That's lovely. Thank you. And that was actually quite, I don't know, I felt quite emotional listening to that. It was very nice advice. Thank you. And Parvinda, we'll go with you on this question. How do we learn what good fathering is? And I put good in like little quotation marks. Um, how do we learn what good fathering is? How does someone become a good dad? Because obviously it's quite abstract. <laughs> so I, I never like to use the word good or bad, um, you know, because I always think there's no such thing. But I think, you know, I think just to be a parent that is safe is just being open, you know, recognizing in yourself uh, what's going on, being in touch with your emotions and knowing that actually there's a lot of strength in that. You know, it's not a weakness. Um, we're all imperfect and there's a lot of pressure to be the perfect parent, whatever that might be to social society. But there is no such thing. Um, there's no perfect person. So I think just having those conversations, have that dialogue, don't be afraid to reach out to your partner if you feel something's not right. Um, you know, it's better to get that help and to have that chat with someone first rather than something going wrong possibly. Um, and I think 
we also as clinicians need to be better you know I am guilty of that I I don't think I've ever and I worked in obstetrics and gynecology on the labor board I don't think I ever personally ever asked a dad how are they and that's something that we need to do as well as clinicians and also I think just be taught about this at school as well and to you know teach our children and the future generation it's okay to talk about this um and what is seen as abnormal shall I say with our mental health and when to seek help so I think just having that open dialogue, reaching out to one another, you know, being open to maybe going to support groups, being open to talk to somebody. Um, I think then that's successful in itself. Thank you. And Parvinda, what was something that you learned from your dad that you'll pass on? One thing I learned from my dad, and I, I say this um, as an ethnic woman, is um, and so there's a lot of stigma with um, women of colour and there's a lot of pressure to be married by 30, to have children, um, to be sort of the breadwinner, yet also sort of the home winner, you know, having everything ready. And, the, you know, I was taught by my dad and he, you know, he comes from a generation where it's stiff upper lip. He wears a turban. He had an arranged marriage. And the one thing he's always instilled in me and my sister is you are any man or woman you want to be and what he meant by that is you can do absolutely anything you want as a woman and it doesn't matter the color of your skin so if you want to be a doctor and a filmmaker you will do so um so the one thing i will always take away if i ever have children is you can be anything you want despite your race or your gender or your sexuality thank you that's amazing and mark same question to you how do we learn what good fathering is how does someone become a good dad do you know exactly what Pavanda said actually she took the words out of my mouth and uh, I think yeah, exactly I'm still making mistakes as a parent now you know my, my son's going for adolescence that's another book one day and uh, but uh, on a serious note no is I'm still making mistakes as parents um both we are it's no such thing and like I said as long as we do be the best version of ourselves and be the best we can and you know like I said, and and as as in mental health, we have to take response some responsibility, you know, gather help. There's so much pressure on health professionals as well today. So you know, you know, all this stuff out there now. We got more information out there that's never been out there before to to be the best version of ourselves as well. You know, so personally, like the thing I pass on to my son, like you said, is really just say, you know, we have those conversations. Really, we have those conversations. If it, if I do make a mistake, we have a conversation and we see how we went. And he normally wins, <laughs> but um, but on a serious note, he's you know like I said, it, it's having those conversations that uh, certainly I didn't have with my father, and I got a wonderful father. But you know exactly what Pavanda said. And is there something you learned from your dad that you'll definitely be passing on, or have already tried to pass on? Yeah, you know I think my father learned from his grandfather. My grandfather was a typical miner. Go to work, come home. My grandmother in the kitchen. My father learned off him. Uh, my father went to mines, come home. My mother worked part time with the student midwife, uh, midwife, sorry, help us, uh, a mental health nurse. Unfortunately, she had dyslexia and all sorts of things, and uh, she cha had to change her career uh, at that time. And uh, so we do learn off other parents, it's like a thing. But I think what I've taken from my own father, and he's, he's amazing, you know, still is, I think. Is open up a conversation. We never had a conversation about mental health. You know, if it was a case of if I had a problem or I was masking those emotions, you'd say, "Come on, mate, let's go to the pub, let's go have a pint." And sometimes those things are healthy. So I think what I've learned from my own father is really to have those conversations with my son, and then my son will become even a better version of my, myself as well. You know, so um, it's just passing on really. 
and uh, from Ole Miss 6. Absolutely. I think it's so important for there to be a discussion in mental health between the parent and the child. And I definitely don't think there's anything wrong with telling your parent that they made a mistake because they are human and they are going to do that. And I think it's okay. Absolutely. I think my father realised about mental health, how anyone can suffer because he had psychosis after water infection, lack of calcium and not the man flu, the severe flu. And it, it really scared him as well. So I think and that's only going back over to just over 10 years ago. So he he understands it as well. Now, where obviously he, he wouldn't, he didn't understand it years pre- previously, like sort of thing. So thank you. So Parvinda, going back to you for our last question, what makes this film so different? So I always say, and I say this to Mark, I feel personally this is the very first film concerning paternal mental health. Um, I I haven't personally ever seen a film that concentrates on dads during pregnancy. Um, usually, I, I actually, I've never seen it. Um, I haven't seen this in the play either. Um, so I think it's the first of many, hopefully, films, TV series, theatre that will start that conversation. And I have such hopes for it because I think, why do we not have a film like that? And I remember talking to Mark when we were on set and saying Prince William has actually just had this discussion near Christmas time about father's mental health. But it's not a discussion that we have normally, and I would like to see more of it on the screen. And another thing that is so different is not only is this a really tender story about, you know, focusing on dad's mental health, it has a diverse cast. So I feel like there are subtle layers here. We see a South Asian woman, we see a Caucasian father, and we see a black doctor. And so for me, also as a filmmaker, I feel like it has such diversity and inclusivity that we also need to make in the film world, as well as mental health inclusivity, um, as well as opening that door to men's mental health. So I feel like it has a, you know, it's such a beautiful drama because it has so many different layers to it. And also, you know, as a psychiatrist, I love to analyse. And also here we have an interracial relationship on the screen, which we don't see enough of. And as a psychiatrist, the ethnic community is still it's such a taboo such a taboo about mental health and especially pregnancy you know I mean it's difficult for men globally but especially in the ethnic community you do not talk about mental health still and so that was really important to me as a director to have a black doctor that you know the ethnic community can look up to because we don't see enough of that we don't see enough role models of color on tv but also that interracial conversation there and I think one of my favorite scenes is actually in the film where we have the doctor and we have the dad on the couch And there's this beautiful sort of mirroring of them sitting on the couch and the camera's going from one to the other. And that image alone of two men, you know, a black man and a Caucasian man talking about mental health, I thought was absolutely stunning. So I really, I personally just think it's so powerful. It honors um, Daddy Blues, the book from Mark. And I just feel like it's gonna be a wave. We're gonna see a wave of men's films out there concerning mental health. Thank you so much to Mark and Parvinda for being on the podcast and sharing their latest project with us. If you want to watch their short film, Daddy Blues, it's available on Amazon Prime. If you would like further information on postnatal depression, please visit our website, which is www.rcpsych.ac.uk and go to Mental Health at the menu on top of the screen. Thank you for listening to the Royal College of Psychiatrists podcast with me, Ella Marchant.